0: I wanna talk about, I wanna start off by talking about one of the greatest, maybe top 10, top 100 movie scenes of all time. Right? It's that moment in the Colosseum where the people are cheering, where the people are wanting to see who this great hero is. They are celebrating him, and the emperor comes in and he wants to meet this hero. No one knows who he is. He wears this mask, and the emperor demands, who are you? And then you get the moment where the camera pans around, he takes off that helmet, he turns around, and there's nothing but fear in the emperor's eyes. And then he says this, then the guy says this this amazing line. He says, my name is Maximus Desmus Meridius. Commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legion, and loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Oh. <laughs> His whole, everything that's been going up leading to this moment in the movie, we've all been waiting for, right? We've seen him go through his, you know, he lost his family, he lost everything, he lost his identity, he lost his position, he lost it all, and the man who he's right in front of, he faces him and he reveals just who he is. Amazing, right? I love that movie. I tried to watch it this week, but my wife was like, nah, I want to watch John Wick instead. So, <laughs> we started that. But, but, but it's a good movie. It's that moment, right, where the hero reveals themselves. Or, or it's the moment where, where the girl puts on the glass slipper and all her enemies... Her evil stepfamily watches as you see who just who she is in Cinderella, right? Or when Iron Man says that he's Iron Man. doesn't matter. You get to the point, right? You get the point. It's when the hero says, this is who I am. It's not what you think it has been. And so we have Palm Sunday. We have that moment We have the moment where where Jesus is coming at the end of his ministry. He has done so many healings. He has freed people. He has thrown demons into pigs, and those pigs that went off a cliff. He has done so many things. He has walked on water. He has calmed storms. He, He teleports. That's a story for another time. Uh, to the other side of the lake, he's, he's done so much. The stories are there, the people are there, and now he walks into Jerusalem for the last time, and it wasn't just a normal day. No, this is, this is during the day where they are having their major festival, a major uh, holiday. You know, if you were ever going to celebrate uh, the Passover, you have to do it in Jerusalem. There is something special there. And so families from all over come to Jerusalem to prepare for the Passover week. And Jesus walks in on that day. It's the people who, are, who have been tired of living with Roman rule, with being oppressed. And not just the Romans, it's constantly being oppressed, being oppressed, being oppressed, and also being oppressed by their own people. They're just tired, they're fearful, and they are clamoring for hope. And Jesus walks in. It's his disciples who have been with him, like I said, from day one, seeing all the things that he has done, the faithfulness that he has helped people from, from blind people, from cripples to, to everything, he has stopped and gave people his grace and his mercy when he didn't have to. And they have seen these miracles. And disciples with Jesus have walked into towns with him many a times. But not like this. This was different. This was, the energy was there. The people were screaming, Hosanna. Hosanna, save now, save now, establish the kingdom of David, bring it back, save us. They're throwing palms, they're throwing cloaks. He's walking in on a donkey or a colt, one that has never been ridden before. In other words, they're saying this is an unbroken animal. It's never had anyone riding him before, but yet he's coming in peace. He has brought peace to the animal and he's walking in with it. Now, by all, by all accounts, it's kind of a lame parade by Roman standards, right? Usually, they're used to, to the generals and, and, and coming down and, and having major and thousands and thousands of people and, you know, bringing the, the, the spoils of victory before them. And then finally, like the general will come in and get all the accolades. So Roman, the Romans, Romans kind of look at this and be like, well, oh, that's, that's not much. Nothing to fear there, but for Jesus, it was the moment where he is fulfilling God's promise to mankind, fulfilling that promise or at the start of fulfilling that promise. another word for for promise is um, covenant right and it's not it's not just a, like a contract but it's a covenant is more it's a it's based off, it's a personal uh, contract, but it's based on relationship. So it's not just this, oh, you do this and you do that. So it's very sacred. It's personal. It's between God and his people. So it's like like a wedding vow. A wedding vow, um, you know, think of it that way. Um, the weddings that uh, we get to do weddings here or for people, and I always recommend... Write out your vow. See, for me, I didn't do that. I'm just like, I'm just going to wing it. And uh, I mean, everything I said was meaningful. Everything I said was meaningful. And I made a lot of promises, but there's no record of it. (laughs) My wife has them. She has hers. All Right? I still do the dishes. (laughs) Yeah. But it's that, it's that personal. It's like a wedding vow. It's very personal and based off relationship. So I want to go back. I want to I go back to the beginning. I want to sh- just show you God's promises and his place that he has been throughout all history regarding us. And so when you go back to the garden and you go back to who God creating mankind, Adam and Eve putting them in the garden and he says this in Genesis 2:15. He says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. They are walking in constant blessings with God. They are working, they are taking care. It's almost like there's a partnership that they have with God on this earth. There's one condition. Verse 16 says, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. See, it was this partnership, but yet God still says, but I'm still God, and you still need to obey. And the one rule I give you, don't eat from the tree. And mankind failed that first test of loyalty. I don't know how soon it was. I don't know how many days... I don't know how you guys do with temptation, but it's one of those things where the longer something is there and you keep looking at it, there's a Sunday there, still untouched. No one's eating that Sunday. Okay, I'm going to walk away, come back an hour later. It's still there. That, it just gets, so I don't know how long. We don't know how long that tree, you know, they did. But we blew it. First test of loyalty. Man, and right there, we see one of the best pictures of God. That God is a God that will make promises to a people that won't honor him. That God is a God that is faithful to a people that is anything but. So the second thing, well, really then, so that's the problem. So then he makes a promise. And he's made a series a, he made, he's made a lot of promises, but we're only going to talk about like four of them, five of them. <clears throat> and the first one is with Noah. So after they eat that fruit, after they eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, it doesn't take long before we get the first cold blooded murder. It's like the next generation, it's Adam and Eve's son that happens. Generations go by, then you get this man named uh, Lamech or Lamach, something like that. He then starts boasting about the murders that he has done. So then it shows you where kind of humanity is going. Not only that, but he's also the first person to take on multiple wives, already going outside of what God has designed. And he boasts about the murders. And in fact, he even references Cain because God protects Cain because, well, he still his creation. He says, whoever gets vengeance on Cain will get my vengeance seven times. And Lamech says, well, then I'll get 77 times. I'm that protected, boasting about it. Generations and generations go by, more evil, more evil. And we get that sin has ravaged humanity so much that has brought back the world to pre-creation chaos. It is done, it is over, except one man. One man is able, that still has righteous, that still has, that shows just a semblance of humanity left in him. And God says, I'm gonna wipe this slate clean. The people that are here, the people that are just doing this evil, they're not even people anymore. We've lost it all, but you, You're going to be different. Build a boat, save your family, and we'll go from there. And so he does. The floods come. Everything gets wiped away. And God says, I will never do that again. And he says, whenever you see, in Genesis 9, 16, says that whenever you see a rainbow appear in the clouds, I will see it. And remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all life on earth. So God, once again, is partnering with mankind to be on this earth, to take care of the earth. But as good as Noah was, there's still sin in him. And so because of that, humanity still continues to spiral down. And so God says, I'm now going to make a people, a people that I call my own, a people that are going to be devoted and loyal to me. And then we get to Abraham and the covenant he has with him. And he says this, Lord has said to Abraham, Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and the peoples on earth will be brought through you. That's a good promise. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to come from Abraham. He says, you are the man. He picks a guy who is not worshiping him, who is not following him. He is following his dad's pagan religion, and he says, you, if you leave your father, this is what's going to happen. I will bless you. You will have descendants. Because in those days, that's what life was about. You need descendants. You need family. A lot of kids. And you will have that. And not only that, but the people on earth will be blessed through you. However, humanity continues to spiral downward. Even though Abraham enters into the redemptive partnership with God... Through his line, the promise that every family will be blessed continued. And he did. It happened. Abraham had many, many descendants. So many that the world power at the time, Egypt, became fearful of them and said that if we don't take care of these people now and enslave them, they will outnumber us. And they do that. And they enslaved them became their slaves. So now we get the next promise with Moses. Moses comes in. He does his thing. You know the movie. You know Charlton Heston. Or the cartoon. I don't know. That's a popular one, right? You know what happens. He takes his people. They go toe-to-toe with the people of Egypt. Egypt pretty much falls and that's it for them because they challenged the true one God and they challenged his people. And so Moses then goes to the mountain and God gives him laws and gives him rules and said, this this is my people are going to be set apart. My people are going to be different. We're not gonna conform to the world anymore. We're going to be separate. And here are the rules. Here are 10 rules to live by and not more importantly he says honor the sabbath i'm going to give you the very i'm going to make you do the very thing that egypt never gave you rest rest and a chance to worship the god that has saved you honor the sabbath again humanity still spirals and then we get the next covenant we get the next promise David, the people get the land just as God promised. Eventually, Moses, or not Moses, but Moses, the people, eventually cross into the land. They conquer it. They get it. Now there's a people. Now there's a land, and they have it. But as history goes forward, they want a king because why? Everybody else has one, right? How many of you guys ever had your kids say, I need that because everyone else has that, right? It's not the best argument. But it got so much that God finally says, okay, you're going to have a king. You're not going to like it, but you're going to have a king. But he finds a man on the second try. He finds a man (laughs) that is all for him. He is all for him. A man after his own heart. He says, this is a man that that can follow me, that can be my representative to my people. If the people don't want me, this is the next best thing. Follow David and blesses David and gives him so much. God restore, David, sorry, brings God back to his people when when God was the ark. He builds the temple, says, God needs a home, can't be in a tent no more. He needs a place where people can come and worship and see the God that they serve. And so he builds the temple. And God promises that David's kingdom will last forever. And in 2 Samuel 7, he says this, that when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you in your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. That's all that mattered for kings, right? For a king, that meant I'm never going to be overthrown. I'm never going to be conquered. My kingdom will last forever. And that's the promise that God gave to David. It's the promise of the Messiah who will come in and restore the fractured relationship that was broken in the garden. Do you see how each promise builds on the next over the course of thousands of years or millions of years, whatever you want to believe? doesn't matter. God still honored the promises, and they built on each. However, these promises were strengthened by the obedience of these men. See, God preserved the world through Noah. He installed, um, he initiated redemption through Abraham. God established the nation of Israel through Moses, and God promised the eternal shepherd king through David. But Noah still had to build the boat. Abraham had to leave his family. Moses had to leave the people with the laws that people didn't want to hear him. And David had to be the king that did it God's way, not his way. Obedience always goes before blessing, always, and that's a hard thing to hear. Obedience—it's—it's—I it's, try, try to think of a nicer word, but it is what it is. See, if we're not obedient to God, well, then who are we obedient to? Ourselves, man. I, I, I working at the. The school that I worked at for years with students that were anything but—you would see just the, the lack of obedience they would have, and it wasn't just a thing of 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 hey, um, you know, do all this stuff. It was just like hey, you know, are you ready to eat lunch now? And they would throw their food at me. Sorry, probably because a lot of you don't know I worked at a school with with kids with um, emotionally disturbed kids, and they were always. They're always like, yeah, Operation Defiant Disorder, right? So they're always, uh, no matter what you said, it could be like the greatest thing. Hey, do you want some candy? No. They would just constantly not agree with you or not uh, want what you have. And yet I would see them over and over, and it reminded me, like, was that what God, like, I got so much for you if you would just obey Mm -hmm. and let you have chosen the other. You have chosen to be in trouble. You have chosen this just because you don't like the word being obedient. Mm -hmm. Obedience always goes before blessing. So we know the story. We know the story that goes forth. Eventually, Jesus comes. He is born in a manger. He does his ministry, and he comes to this point of Palm Sunday. Last year I did this exact time. And it's like, well how um, like what, what what how do I change this sermon? It's like it's Palm Sunday. It's like now I know why Pastor Joshua says, hey do that. <laughs> do that one. <laughs> but maybe that's just what we need before we go into Holy Week. There's a reminder of who God is and his obedience. So if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Mark 11. Last year it was, I did Luke. This year I'm doing Mark. Wow. That's awesome. I, hear, I actually hear Bible pages turning. That's awesome. Never lose that. Right? That's great. All right. So Mark 11, 1 through 6 says this. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? says, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went and found the colt outside in the street and and tied it at a doorway. Sorry, outside in the street, tied to a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, "What are you doing, untying the colt?" They answered, "Oh, Jesus told them to," and the people let them go. <laughs> you know, sometimes I complain that the Bible is just too many words, <laughs> and then there's other times I'm like, "Well, no, there's more to this story. Right? <laughs> what happened here? How come there's not? Who were the disciples? What were they thinking?" You know. So <laughs> they walk into the city, they're about to enter, and Jesus says, hey, you two, I need you just to go You into the city, find the donkey, and bring it to me. And if anyone says anything, just say, I need it, and okay, and walk out. And they do it, sight unseen. They go in, and they do it. There's no question. Wait, wait, Jesus... Did, did you pay for this donkey? Are we going to lose our hands for this? See, there's already obedience that is happening there, right? They go into the city. I mean, it's like, it's like a donkey jacking. It's like going to, going to this city, going to this city, find the first car with the door that's open, hotwire it, and if anyone says, why are you taking my car? Just say, oh, Jesus needs it, and then drive away. They, they they go in there and they do just that. And I'm sure that as they're walking in, they're praying. Oh man, please don't let there be a donkey. Please don't let me. Uh, yep, there he is. Just as Jesus says, it's there. And one disciple says, Okay, I'm gonna watch and you go and get it. He says, No, he said, both of us. <laughs> he said, both of us go get it. Because fine, I'll I'll make a distraction. Just Get the donkey, and they do it and walk away. And someone does say, What are you doing? Oh, Jesus needs it. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they're walking away, like, well, What else does this work with? Grab that loaf of bread. What are you doing with my loaf of bread? <laughs> Jesus needs it. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, that worked. And I love, think of it this way when they go back, the other disciples probably came to them and said, Hey, how did it go? It's exactly what he said. It was there. We untied it. Someone asked. We, they, we told them. And we walked away. And they probably said, yeah, we thought that would happen. Why? Because they had been with him for the last three years, seeing the miraculous happen. Why were they so quick to be obedient? Were they nervous? Probably. Were they scared? Probably. Confrontation? No one wants that but they know what Jesus has done. They know what he has promised and he has not let them down. So like I said, we don't like that word obedience, but we need to be loyal. We need to be loyal to God. So that's number one. How do we overcome our loyalty issues? We look back at what God has constantly done in our lives. Please, if you have a good memory, then great if you don't write this stuff down keep a journal have get a rock write something on a rock do something that will remind you of the goodness of God that he has done throughout your whole life it, it's vital because if we don't remember that then we're going to become frustrated and we're going to be upset with God remember Number one, look back at what God has done, and I get it. Being, having faith is rough. Being in, in the moment is rough. It, it's, like a terrifying, uh, it's like a terrifying roller coaster, you know? I, okay, look, some of you probably love roller coasters. I did when I was younger, but as I get older, for some reason, I just can't do them, right? As I get to understand, like, mechanics and parts and just metals do break, um, <laughs> And then maybe I've seen too many movies where it's like, it's that one time, right? <laughs> Man. There, there was a time years ago when I you was know, a youth pastor. We took our kids to a camp that had a giant zip line. And my wife, she loves that stuff. The kids love that stuff. And they're like, what are we going to do? We're all going to do it. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm quiet. And we're walking up the stairs. I don't talk. I don't say nothing. I'm just quiet because I'm like, I got to do this. <laughs> and you get on, and maybe the... A third of it is terrifying, but when you're almost out of it, then you're like, well, this is a blast. But now I'm only like 10 feet off the ground. (laughs) I get it. That's faith. It could be terrifying. You could be in it, it could be terrifying. But remember what God has done for you. Number two how do we overcome our loyalty issues? We have to live by God's expectations, not ours. Another hard, hard thing to get. All right, verse seven. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while other people spread their branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest." Man, what a sight. He comes in. There's palm branches. Like I said in the beginning, the people were going nuts. There was energy in the city, energy that the people had not seen. There have been many false messiahs come and go, but no one like Jesus. No one has been able to do the things of Jesus. They have heard the stories. We just get done, before we get to this point, people have heard the stories that he literally called someone who has been days old out of the tomb, that he has raised someone from the dead. They know he is special, he is different, and they are screaming for salvation. Save now. Save us now. They even, they even bring up, uh, you know, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. They're, they're remembering back when they were undefeated as a nation, right? No one messed with them when David was the king. They're, ha- they're, they're bringing it back like this is that moment. Save now. Hosanna in the highest. And from the beginning, God has been working to save his people, but he is a king, and the king's plan most times will not match up to our plan. The people were demanding save now, and it's no wonder that in a few short days, the people are going to start screaming for a murderer to be freed instead of him. Because to their eyes, he wasn't the king that they thought he was going to be. When they asked, they demanded save now, and they weren't saved that day. That was their expectation. Uh, Give us the murderer. This guy's a fraud. Give us Barabbas. So many times, I have wanted God to come in and fix my mess now fix it now god why must i continue to keep to keep going in this mess fix it now lord and yet i have to live by god's expectations not mine i have to understand he's a king i'm not he is god i'm just creation So number three, because of that, because I have different expectations, how do we overcome our loyalty issues? Expect frustration. I know we don't like to hear that. You could be, I think, the most faithful person in this room, and yet you would probably still face frustration, right? can we be truthful for a moment this this christian life is hard it's rough because we are faced with unmet expectations and we are frustrated and i bet if i was to ask you guys to raise your hand if you are currently frustrated a lot of hands would go up in the air i didn't think my life would be like this i didn't think my marriage would be like this i didn't think raising my kids were going to be like this I didn't think working at this job that I've wanted for so long was going to be this hard. God, where are your promises? Why are we still praying for this thing over and over? I have all the faith in the world, and yet we're still praying for this. I'm going to be full transparent with you guys right now. Like, there, there there's a thing, there, There's, there's... There's a prayer in our life, in our family that we pray over and over and over, and it just doesn't seem to get any better. Sometimes it gets worse, and we can get tired of like, oh, we're going to pray for this again and again. Man, have you guys been there? And usually, again, God bless the well-meaning people. You get them saying, well, I guess it's just not God's will. Well, then what is His will? And I get it. I get this might be a hard thing to hear. Expect frustrations? We're supposed to live, live life abundantly. We're supposed to, to uh, live with joy. And like, I just don't have a normal life. I, I have an abundant life. Really? Twenty four seven, you 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 got that abundant life, yeah, yeah, I do. That's what I'm supposed to say, right? Man, here's here's a story in Numbers eleven for you. When Moses was with his people, he says this. He asks, Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you and put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? He goes on to say, if this is how you're going to treat me, then please kill me. (laughs) Oh, but that's an abundant life. (laughs) Elijah will have one of the greatest showdowns on earth with with pretty much demons. And he will show everyone that God is real, that there's one true God. And yet one girl says, I'm going to kill you. And he says, well, then that's it. I'm done. Just kill me. All right. This ain't going to work out no more, God. I'm, 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 it's over. Abundant life. Where's the joy? Jeremiah, <laughs> he straight out just says, why did my mom even give me birth? He puts the blame on his mom. <laughs> These are men that are in the very act of being faithfulness. These are the men in the very act of being loyal, but yet they are frustrated. But yet they are still faithful to God. And the people were screaming, free us from this Roman oppression. Free us now. And God says, there is so much more that I'm going to do. There was so much more. What they wanted was for Jesus to come in and in the middle of the night, get together, run into the center of the city like ninjas, get weapons, and take everything back. And yes, could that have happened? Probably. But Jesus says, look, I'm not trying to give you a good decade. I'm trying to build you up for forever. There is more to what's just happening that you can see. You are so fixed on the immediate that you don't see that God is doing for you something greater. And so number four, how do you overcome loyalty issues? Well, you're, be thankful what you, for what you don't have. Be thankful for what you don't have. Jesus has this amazing parade, this amazing welcome into the city. We're starting Holy Week. We're coming in. And this is how it ends. Verse 11. It says that Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Just kind of walks in, looks around, says, wow, well, it's kind of late. And he walks out the city. Bethany is like two miles outside of Jerusalem. That's kind of a bummer to end of the way of the parade, right? What happened to everything? You no, know, he just... Walks in. But let me tell you something. That was one of the most amazing image of strength I've ever seen. He's not walking around and hiding like a ninja. He says, he walks up to the very courts and sees the people that are plotting to kill him, the people that have been trying to get him from day one, and says, look, I'm not hiding, I'm here. I am here, you see me, I'm not going anywhere, this whole week you're, you're, you're gonna think that you're gonna have your way with me, it's gonna be a rough week, but I'm the one calling the shots, I'm here. And he walks right out because he is doing something far greater than we can ever imagine Jesus wants to do. We rarely see that we're living in the miracle while we're living in the miracle. You guys like that? I stole that from Pastor. But we rarely see the miracle while we're living in the miracle. If I can have the band come come on up. Again, Jesus walked into the room with the people that wanted to kill him to let him know he was the one in charge. Like, I don't know where you guys are at in your walk. I don't know what's going on in your lives. Maybe God is doing something in you that you need to be reminded that it takes obedience. Maybe there are things right now that that you have been thinking about and dwelling about, and 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 you've thought like, oh, if I just need a sign... If I could just have a sign, maybe, maybe this could happen or that could happen. Give me, give me some wind or, or give me some something, then I'll do it. Man, if the disciples did that, that donkey would be dead by the time they got to him. Now, if you have that now, the next step, just be obedient and do it. Just be obedient and do it. The disciples didn't even know what was going on until it was over. Then they saw the miracle. Then they saw a God that honored his promises from the beginning to restore everyone. That when Jesus walked in Jerusalem, it was that fulfillness of that promise. Again, to a people and to a generation that doesn't that's the beautiful thing about God. So I encourage you this week, if there is something in your heart, if there is something that that you've been feeling that you just need to do, but you're waiting for a sign, don't don't do it. Just do it. Be faithful. Hold on to that roller coaster. And just go with it. I promise the ride will not be that long. Amen. (laughs) Amen. You know what, I think we're going to take communion now. So if you have your communion wafers. This is the beginning of Holy Week. Man, what a week. I just, I I can't get over the fact that, that there was a time on this earth where Jesus was like, wow, this is it, this is the end. No more miracles. No more sermons just has to step up and be obedient himself and go to the cross. And so because of his love for us, we can participate in communion. We get that opportunity. So this week, let us remember that he willingly walked in. let's go back from the very beginning where god had perfect relationship with creation perfect blessing and he lost that he lost that i mean we we tend to think about like what we lost but think about what he lost and yet it took his son's blood thank you that you every day, despite what we think, is doing a good work in us. Lord, I thank you that you see the bigger picture when I don't. I thank you, Lord, that you understand things better than than I do. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for sending your Son for the freedom that we need. So Father, for your promise. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God that never took it back, that you are faithful to us very first promise that God made. Well, I don't know if it's the very first one. It's the one we have in the book. And he says it to the devil. says, cursed are you above all livestock and wild animals, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust. In all days of your life, I will put an enemy between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. Look, This is a rough week, but from the beginning, Jesus called the shots, not the enemy. All right? So no matter what's going on right now at work or at home, no matter how dire it looks, remember, God's on the throne. He calls the shots. Amen? Have a great week.